Welcome to another episode of this entire era of crypto. It really started with the need for creating a decentralized network where you did not have to rely on intermediaries. And we have technology in our hands now where each one of us can be our own banks. The systems are still updating. A few years ago, refunds, etc. were not possible. Now, even those facets of commerce, of all the retail spending that we see, those are being worked upon and the growth will continue. In a way, the crypto industry is still a very young industry. I know a lot of the times Web3 and cryptocurrency uh, and AI gets compared. I feel like they aren't necessarily two sides of the coin because they are still, they are both tech stacks. So whenever people look at blockchain, many a times they're just thinking about token listing and you know they're just thinking about cryptocurrencies mm. or the metaverse. But the area of Web3 goes so much beyond that. It is a tech stack building those decentralized uh, applications. Mm -hmm. And then AI is also another tech stack. So they complement each other. They are not necessarily going head to head against each other. Totally. That is something that you know, it's, it's good for all of us to remember. So mm -hmm. going on with uh, you know what bill gates had said that okay banks are not necessary but banking is necessary yeah. right so we have centralized exchanges that make the journey easier for people to connect their banks to a system that they have more control over now why don't we talk a little bit about uh, bitmart like you know when did bitmart start what is the total volume that bitmart handles on a day-to-day -day basis today and what's the spread of bitmart which countries bitmart is in sure i'm more than happy you know to share that information to the public um that uh, we basically establish um uh, at the end of the you know year 2017 and on 2018 we officially you know started launching the product because you know we, we prepared you know a, a very long period to you know do all the testing to do all the you know uh, um you know user to do, 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 do a lot of user journeys to make sure that you know it fulfills the user requirements and also uh, the user's needs so we started from you know small that uh, um because back in 2017 there only several different, you know, assets, like, you know, some of those major assets from, you know, the last, you know, bull run, uh, actually two bulls run before, um, starting, you know, listing all the, you know, centralized exchanges. And that central exchange basically gives a, a user capability are able to um, start, you know, uh, converting their, you know, uh, fiat uh, into um, a cryptocurrency by certain, by certain way. And majority speaking, we are working with, you know, multiple third-party uh, vendors like MoonPay, Banksa, Alchemy Pay, and vice versa. Those, you know, third-party uh, fiat on-ramp, off-ramp facilities that, you know, to um, open the door or say, you know, open the, to lower the barrier for user to entry. So, so Kaiman, before we move ahead, maybe it is worth talking about what, uh, a fiat currency is versus cryptocurrency because a lot of the times we are so used to hearing the word fiat currency but it would be lost on the common man so sure. what are fiat currencies and when we talk about on-ramp off-ramp and centralized exchanges being used for that what are what do those terms mean to the layman sure 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 so um so here's how it works right uh, fiat usually just refers to the currency that each centralized government issued for their internal country for the liquidity and the circulation supply for human beings, you know, daily day-to-day -day life and you know, daily purchases. 
So our dollars, pounds, Indian yeah. rupees, yen, yeah. yuan, all of these are examples of fiat currencies. Yes, these are you know a great example for fiat currencies. And the most yeah. important thing is that they have been issued by a sovereign body, which in most of the cases is a centralized bank. Like here, we have the Federal Reserve in mm -hmm. India, we have the Reserve Bank of India, and so on. Yes, exactly, exactly. So basically, every country have a、uh, institution to issue the fiat currency that you know for um to you know basically to、uh, facilitate economics internally for the for each country. That's right. And then, how is that different from cryptocurrencies?、Um, cryptocurrency, I would say, it's more like a say a decentralized way that not issued by a centralized facilitation, but、uh, it's basically issued by、uh, the by the governments or say by you know the community of you know such a crypto. For example, Bitcoin, right? The issuance or not not even say issuance. But you know the Bitcoin was you know basically coming out from the rewards of to the miners, and the miners to distribute all those you know tokens to you know the、uh, public. That is right. So, bit、uh, Bitcoin as we know it's proof of work. So miners、yes. were working to support the system.、Mm -hmm. How does Bitcoin work? Bitcoin is a ledger, and in its simplest form, instead of having a government body. Regulate it, run it, run the services. Cryptocurrencies, as we all know, they are digital currencies. But in order to issue the digital currency to help support the transactions, you still need a system to support it. Now that system could have been a centralized server. It could have been a few servers on Amazon server. But that of the Silicon Dreams on Radio Zindagi fifteen fifty. A.M. This is your show host R.J. Sonia, the founder and CEO of Orbis eighty six, where we are creating accessible onboarding opportunities for those who want to learn about Web three and AI. And joining me in the studio today, we have the Chief Business Officer from Bitmart Exchange, Kaiman Hu. And I am going to go to Kaiman to introduce himself, so he can talk to us about、uh, his journey into Web three and what is he doing at Bitmart today. So, Kaiman, over to you. Thank you so much, Sonia, and、uh, hello, everybody. Very glad and happy being here.、Uh, this is Kaiman,、um, serving as Chief Business Officer at Bitmart, mainly in charge of、uh, incubation, investment, and of course, listings. So our journey, my journey with Bitmart was, you know, at the very beginning when Bitmart established at the end of、uh, 2017. So back that time, there's you know a lot of、uh, new and uprising crypto exchange coming up, and with you know five years of you know going through all the you know thunderstorm and the rains, we somehow somehow made our journey till today, and somehow somehow we had a little bit of reputation in the industry, and we are still very humbly and very low key to growing the business. Uh, embracing the Web three, the AI, and also embracing all the regulators to doing our best to bring the best service and the best product to the all the our users. Thank you, Kaiman. Kaiman, what about your personal journey? When did you get started in this wild west world of Web three? Yeah, so this is、uh, actually a very interesting thing.、Uh, my background. So、uh, I went to Carnegie Mellon on two thousand six. And my study was, you know,、uh, computer engineering. So back that time, I have already getting touch all those kinds of,、uh, uh, you know, technical stuff. And later on, on you know,、uh, 2010 ish, I started, you know, to、uh, look into the、uh, um, the white paper of Bitcoin, the P2P you note know, system. That you know, I feel it's very, you know,、um, 
it's very interesting and it's uh, you know basically describing the future but back that time i wasn't you know uh, able or say didn't have the access to do the mining back at that time if i if i were i would definitely put all my <laughs> you would have owned a bit more probably <laughs> if you did that then yeah hopefully Sheldon didn't kill me on there <laughs> yeah so uh on 20 you know 14 i started to dive into um uh, fintech industry back that time okay. but that fintech was uh, also the combination of ai and the fintech because mm -hmm. uh back in 2014 15 that was you know a very good era for like, ai revolution predictive modeling exactly exactly so that's exactly what i did that we we built you know the first modeling in southeast asia uh, for credit scoring on the writing and also you know uh, uh, payment, uh, uh, also payment, payment rail as well. The credit scoring in US has been around for a while, but in Southeast Asia, it's yeah. new and coming and they're still honing their systems. So you were part of that transformation for Southeast Asia. Yes, yes, exactly. Because people do see that there's a huge need in Southeast Asia have the, you know, the P2P lending was in a while. Basically, lending and borrowing—that's—it's a huge need in Southeast Asia. So um, myself, you know, and also the, the other funding team, we dive into there, and you know, because uh, I, I think you know, uh, fintech um, is a way that you know to help the liquidity and also penetration uh, from human being to human being. Yes. Then not only just you know via those already known centralized, um, say institutions, but also open to for any individuals have the opportunity to participate any economics or financial activities so i feel like this is you know the future for the for the for the, for the world and that's why you know on 2017 2018 um i started you know um joining bitmart because i feel like okay there we go after fintech then um exchange also crypto exchange it's another um journey for you know also another level of fintech going you know through another route so basically that's what how you know we talk about like the web3 tokenomics and you know so ai as you know add on to the web3 uh, which you know makes me journey to today so folks bill gates had famously said that banking is important but banks are not and cryptocurrency decentralized exchanges centralized exchanges have made it centralized not decentralized by decentralized what you mean is you have a peer-to-peer -peer community of folks who are supporting transactions for this network we could call it for the blockchain for bitcoin mm -hmm. and they are the ones providing resources to support it and because they are providing the resources they get paid for it in the blockchain's native currency which is bitcoin yep. and the people providing that support they are known as miners yep. the coolest thing about this is that nobody can hold you hostage so yeah. today even if you have a website running on aws for example they could cancel your service at any time not that they do it they don't want to ruin their business mm -hmm. but you are at the whim at the mercy you have your data being shared with another company yeah, exactly whereas on blockchain it's all fully first of all blockchain the transactions are transparent so everybody sees it but yes. bitcoin will continue to exist as long as there is at least one person supporting it so that is the coolest thing that you cannot be held hostage by any single person or even a group of people yes. because as long as there are people willing to support it the system will continue to thrive and exist and exactly. that is what decentralized really means that the power is not in the hand of one person yes. but rather it is in the hands of the community so kaiman you yeah. know with just some of those basics being covered 
let's get into bitmart like what is the role of these centralized exchanges and when we say okay you want to convert your fiat into cryptocurrency i think given the fact that we spoke about mining people probably understand that one of the ways to get the cryptocurrency is if you support a network and you act as a miner mm-hmm. but not everybody is able to do that mm-hmm. so is this where centralized exchanges play a part and allow people to exchange their fiat currencies into crypto and vice versa Yes, change from fiat currency to a uh, cryptocurrency is one of the function that you know a uh, central exchange provides. The others are mainly say cuz cuz right now till today there are not only just the, you know 100 or even 200 cryptocurrency existing in the in the in the, in the industry. It's more than 3000 there already. More than 5000 the yeah. last time I checked too. Yes, yeah. thousands of them. Yeah, there are thousands of them. And each different assets need a you know different channel to Uh, being able to provide liquidity to based on the user needs, so that's th- th- there comes out you know central exchange playing a role that connect make, to make the financial connectivity and trans transaction happening between people to people and people to institution or even institution to institution. So here's the thing, right? You spoke about liquidity. Yeah. A lot of the people, when they are looking at cryptocurrencies, they are looking at it as high-risk assets, right? What does it mean in the crypto world to really have liquidity? Because most of the times, I know a lot of people will compare it to stocks. Many a times, it will follow the same movement at the stock market. Yeah. However, this concept of uh, liquidity pools with two token pairs and stuff is something that is sort of uh, perhaps a little unique to our cryptocurrency regime, right? Yeah. So, why is it important to? have liquidity in pools what does it mean mm-hmm. uh, can you touch a little bit on that sure 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 of course so in the traditional exchange like nasdaq or uh, nyse yeah those crypto exchange oh sorry those you know traditional exchanges they run name from i think from 9 to 5 or even 10 to 5 it really depends on a different day and you know what so they have you know time to open and also close the market and So that's why you know their liquidity is uh, somehow limited, and these liquidity either provided by you know their original, uh, or say organic exchange, you know volume, or even could be you know by their by the traditional market maker, right? So we 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 might you know uh, remember seeing you know when people taking fo- photo of you know how Nasdaq internally and why is internally, so basically they are yelling to each other saying, hey, I have this order, somebody want to take it, you know, stuff like that. They're working on their order books. Yeah, that that's something you know the traditional the the, the most you know old fashioned way or the traditional way how order books works, but in the centralized crypto exchange way that we basically convert that in, into everything as automatic. Besides that, the beauty about you know. Crypto exchange is is twenty four seven, it never stop. So imagine that you know, um, if the human being are going you know, off offline or going sleep, right? Then who's gonna take care of the liquidity? Because you know the liquidity is always still there, and the people, uh, their buyer, their maker, their takers. So it has to be some sort of like say either liquidity pool or automated um, liquidity bot or even. Mark some something we call you know crypto market, market makers to jump in, uh, but you know of course in you know, an automatic way to jump in with a strategy to make the arbitrage and the, to ensure the liquidity, the uh, the depth and also the spread. 
the depth and spread. So I know these are a lot of financial terms. Those who are financial gurus will identify all of these terms from even our traditional markets, right? Like uh, looking at arbitrage opportunities. So if a stock is listed on multiple markets, which doesn't necessarily, which doesn't happen now, but if you have a stock that was listed on different uh, exchanges, then sometimes the price that takes a moment to, to, Yeah, to equalize equalize, on the two exchanges. Like if you had a stock that's on NYSE and on NASDAQ and there was a difference of uh, even a dollar, then there is an it presents a quick arbitrage opportunity where you can buy on Mm -hmm. the exchange where Mm -hmm. it is at a lower price and then sell it on an exchange that's that's at a higher price. Exactly. And then we talk about the spread. So in an order book, if you if anybody has used um, the advanced uh, stock market, advanced layouts with uh, any of the various stock market tools we have even including tools like uh, webull for example right where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, webull is uh, another application like Robinhood right. that's in the palm of your hands but they also provide you like with advanced views you will see that at any given point in time you have multiple sell orders at multiple pricing yep. and also multiple buy orders at multiple pricing so it's the this is the spread that we are really talking about yeah. where you have orders being executed executed at different price points throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So we will dive into some of uh, some of these terms. Before we move any further though, what I wanted to ask you was centralized exchange and decentralized exchange, right? We mm-hmm. quite often hear these two terms when we're talking about Web3. And for a lot of our audience members who are listening in, they might not have not heard either of them. They might have just heard about exchanges. But what are these two different flavors? Like what's a centralized exchange? maybe some pros and cons of centralized exchanges versus what's a decentralized exchange and pros and cons of decentralized exchange. Can you shed some light on it? Sure, sure, of course. So um, there's for both, you know, central exchange and the decentralized exchange, something we call, you know, a CEX and a DEX, right? Both of them have, you know, pros and cons. So first of all, centralized exchange, um, that they have customer service, they have, you know, account management, they have a customer, they have customer success, customer support. And also, like myself, you know, business development and the operation. So it basically runs as a company, um, but and also provides you know the different type of assets to be listed on you know central exchange, and also um, having you know people basically twenty four seven you know supporting all the customer needs uh, based on different requirements. So, and of course, because we have BD, so there the 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 assets listing on central exchange. I would say are more have more variety choice uh, versus you know on a DEX, but uh, on the on the that's you know the pro of you know central exchange. I guess the only uh, uh, con, which is you know, would say it's centralized. Yeah, yeah. It, it is centralized, so you're not necessarily jumping on the decentralized bandwagon. Mm-hmm. It provides, I feel, also an easier way for people to get into crypto mm-hmm. because you don't have to understand how to create your own wallet. Uh, you don't have to remember the seed phrase. Um, mm-hmm. And also, you are able to easily convert your fiat, fiat. currencies yeah. into cryptocurrencies, which at the moment on decentralized exchanges, it's normally not supported. And even if it is, it's only yeah. through third party yeah. integrations. Yeah. So decentralized exchange that, you know, basically it provides you a facility that you can keep, you know, anonymous um, and, you know, you're able to um, do, you know, exchange 
uh, based on you know the size of the liquidity pool that existing on a decentralized exchange. So basically, it's it's more you know I would say for um, crypto native or say or if you're already in crypto many many like years and you already know have a very good sense of all kinds of different wallets or say all kinds of different different chains that you know okay that is your playground and it's only you know, the pro of the dex and if you already have your liquidity in cryptocurrency and you just want to swap from one cryptocurrency to, to another, another yeah. then you could possibly you know use your decentralized exchanges yes. for the swapping yes but ah. yeah but there is no uh the the, the con of the decentralized exchange is it's very hard to ensure the size of the pool and when you do swapping there's something we call slippage yes right can you explain that term slippage yeah so basically uh the equation coming from k constant equals x times y x is one side of the trading pair y is the other side of the trading pair so imagine that in a pool uh you're supposed to have you know balanced you know of uh, x and uh, x and y which is two different you know uh, tokens right if uh, one of those are facing 90% down the other side will you know have facing um another another kind of disaster you know say either um shortage or even a huge slippage or even the price um sudden even the price sudden drop so th that's you know the uh you know potential call of you know dex which is uh if everything goes well if everything you know ideally goes well then okay all the swap works all the, you know both sides of the you know the x and the y everything goes well but if anything you know, suddenly happens okay then you know this uh this will become some sort of disaster so there's always you no know, risk by using no matter central exchange or decentralized exchange there are certain i mean depending on you know how well educated you are how yeah. you are planning to use these things mm -hmm. also sometimes uh, centralized exchanges when they are launching new tokens and stuff they will conduct a token drop for uh, their users or yeah. uh, they might also have better yield so as we know mm -hmm. coinbase today provides a yield of four percent on uh, usdc mm -hmm. you also have uh, other dexes etc that provide yields but they are yeah. typically a little lesser you know sometimes centralized exchanges they have uh, or they could also be higher like on hedera yeah. we have some usdc pools which are even at there were some pools that were even at 80 percent and it was like oh you know somebody giving 80 percent for a good stable coin like mm -hmm. usdc and i know stable coins is also like a new term but we won't get into all of those details today because i want to learn a little more about uh, centralized exchanges and then you know listing on centralized exchanges so while we i hope that our audiences you know listening to the silicon dreams and radios in the gi 1550 am have gotten a hold on some of these basic terms that we spoke about, right? Mm -hmm. Like we spoke about centralized exchange, decentralized exchange, cryptocurrency versus fiat currency. Mm -hmm. And then we also sp spoke about the spread of a pool, a depth of a pool, by the way, a liquidity pool is just how much money is actually captured there. Mm -hmm. Now, with that being said, you just now mentioned, right? Like there are over a few thousand cryptocurrencies that are already there in the market. Mm -hmm. So, um, on a decentralized exchange, anybody can go and create a pool, right? But on a centralized exchange, if someone wants to list their token mm -hmm. on a centralized exchange, mm -hmm. there is a certain process involved with that. Would you like to share with us what is the process of uh, listing a token on Bitmart, right? And uh, maybe, you know, we could, you could give us, uh, give our audience more details about if anyone's interested, how do they go about it and so on? Sure, sure, sure. You know, I, I guess, you know, before uh, talking about specifically uh, the uh, uh, listing, 
uh, I would say, you know, uh, generally speaking, BitMart is, you know, a full degree um, crypto exchange that, you know, provides all kinds of spot trading, future trading, NFT trading, um, and also yield and uh, yield and uh, a yield and earn, you know, uh, on the market. That, so what's the difference between mm -hmm. spot and futures, right? Like perpetual. So what is the difference between spot and future trading? Yeah. So basically, uh, spot trading is that, you know, you based on the current market, the, the current exactly time, 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 time spent market and do the trading based on the, you know, the volume, the market order or even limited order that, you know, do right now spot. Uh, for the future trading, basically that you're you're betting on either you know the price will up or say the price will drop. It's the it's the same terminology as the traditional uh, future trading or the option trading. It's in exactly yeah. the stock market. In so the stock market, we are yeah, talking exactly. about uh, puts and calls, right? Yeah, We're talking about calls. those kind of uh, trade options that are available to people now. Mm -hmm. Coinbase doesn't have their future trading open to U.S. audience. What about yeah. BitMart? Oh, we don't open that to U.S. either. So okay. we are very, you know, uh, fully uh, U.S. compliant in the in the U.S. because uh, we have uh, certain people in the U.S. and we have a U.S. U.S. registered user. So we fully follow the U.S. regulation and the try to be a good kit. How many users do you have in the United States? Uh, we uh, we generally speaking, we have you know more than around you know fifteen million total registered user. The demographics look like you know around twenty thirty percent are U.S. Uh, based user, and now we are shifting um, a little bit more you know energy to the south uh, to the Latin um, region, and uh, we already have you know huge audience, especially you know India user in Southeast Asia, that you know because uh, you know as Sonia just mentioned that you know central exchange do do airdrops and uh, our um, Indian users are very, very actively, you know, participating participating in those marketing campaign airdrops. Actually, yeah. So you, we, Betmart has a couple of million users in India as well, and uh, they also have on-ramp, off-ramp facilities for the Indian audiences. So they are able to use Bitmart as a stepping stone to get into the world of crypto. Mm -hmm. And then as uh, as Kaiman just mentioned, right, like <laughs> there are a lot of campaigns yep. and you have a lot of Indians actively hunting for yep. those campaigns. Yep. All right. So coming back to, to Bitmart, listings. Yep. yeah, to yep. listings, right? So Bitmart is a full service trading platform. <laughs> you know, you have all of these mm -hmm. different options for people who are trading mm -hmm. to look at. And then what about token listing? Yes, of course. So always the first step, the, you know, when we look into any cases for listing, the first thing we want to make sure it's compliant enough, right? First of all, we want to make sure um, the name of the token, the purpose of the token, the country of issuance of the token are fully uh, compliant in the, with, the, uh, with the FINRA's you know, regulation. Say, for example, the uh, US sanctioned country, we, we won't take their user and we won't you know, do business with them. And for example, there should not be any illegal or any weird words happening in the you know, project name or even a ticker, because you know sometimes people are trying to make you know a shiny name to make them you know stand out. But we we don't want you know we are very you know um um we are very aware of you know being a respect and being you know um very restrict on those you know naming and even on the even we are looking to the white paper, we look into their website to make sure all their terminology are compliant enough. So there, I should be. 
there is a dark side to crypto right where yeah. unfortunately in the past we have had people crypto is still a very largely unregulated industry and uh, i don't uh, as a radio station we are fairly neutral but i do believe that gary gensler who is the head of sec at the moment is not doing a good job regulating crypto. He's trying to kill crypto, which yeah. is not the same as regulating. Mm -hmm. And you have other countries that are taking lead. A lot of folks in the Bay Area have heard about Anderson Horowitz because yep. they are one of the largest investment firms in the globe, not just in the US, but across the globe. Exactly. And they started their crypto entity, which is called Anderson Horowitz uh, A16Z Crypto yep. School. Yep. And they moved their headquarters to London. So yeah. instead of having people from US move offshore, the US has to regulate it enough to make it safer for people. Mm -hmm. And it's literally at one point, especially I have come here from India, right? We a lot of us are migrants to US and we used to talk about a brain dump. Yep from countries like India coming to US where you have the best talent being poached to US because of the opportunities here. Yes. So it is really sad that because of the current regulatory environment, you actually have people from US going abroad. And these are US citizens who mm -hmm. are going to countries in Europe, going to UK, uh, setting up shops, even offshore. Offshore entities is something that even traditional businesses do. So I might not necessarily consider that. But mm -hmm. you have citizens even moving to like Dubai and just considering moving there forever because yep. of the regulatory scenario here. Yep. Now, without getting too much uh, into that i just hope that you know the regulatory scenario becomes better we have someone who is critical but actually is interested in regulating versus just trying to kill the industry mm -hmm. but what has happened in the past unfortunately because of the lack of regulations you have and also the potential of 100xing your investment if you think about the people guys who mined bitcoin when it started Bitcoin's white paper came out in 2008. 2009 is when Bitcoin mining started. Right. Even until 2010, 2011, perhaps 12, people could mine Bitcoin on their laptops. You didn't need fancy Bitcoin mining rigs yeah, to mine, time, yeah. mine Bitcoin, right? Yeah. It was a very small audience. So since then, it has grown. And at that time, the first Bitcoin transaction, real world exchange transaction, proving that a digital token like Bitcoin can be used as a currency. That's why, you know, we hear the word cryptocurrency yep. was when a person in New York bought two pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. And I hope the person who got the 10,000 Bitcoin did not sell it off immediately <laughs> because that person, that pizza shop owner yeah. with the 10,000 yeah, Bitcoin. Yeah, that's how they call it pizza day. Yeah. That's why, yeah, in Bitcoin, we celebrate the pizza day. But that was a lot of people think like, oh my God, 10,000 Bitcoin for two pizzas. But yeah. that step was actually crucial because it proved to the world that these currencies can be used, used. as a for as for, a form of exchange yeah for real world assets which is not also how, yeah assets. for which is also hot topic these days exactly <laughs> and if you think about it even us dollars right or any currency it has a certain value because we value it at a certain way so this is literally guys a peer to peer um peer-to-peer -peer allocation of value to any token it's it is like uh, in the older days you know each of the kingdoms would have some of their coins and stuff that were issued the kings necessarily wouldn't be the ones setting the value i mean yes 
yeah. a little bit but you know people would determine that hey if i do x work for you i want 10 coins in return yeah. and if you do this for me i'll give you 5 coins in return right mm-hmm. so people used to set a value to it and that mm-hmm. is exactly what we're doing here yeah, yeah, the yeah. community sets a value to a token and as exactly. long as the community members decide that this token has an inherent value and we can use it mm-hmm. they can use it to exchange you know use those cryptocurrencies to go and get real world assets yeah. now because of the lack of regulations and also bitcoin inherently it started blockchain allows everybody to be anonymous because all the transactions are there on chain so mm-hmm. that transparency is awarded mm-hmm. and at the same time it allows anonymous en- entities to come in because that also removes biases from the system exactly right however there are always bad actors whenever you have any technology coming in it is a tool it's, so it's when a tool, yeah. nuclear fission and nuclear fusion was discovered yeah they were just tech stacks but instead and they were people were working on them to really create clean energy however yeah. the first widely known use of it would have been the bombing of hiroshima and nagasaki yeah exactly that's exactly these days you know the movie uh, oppenheim oppenheim yeah, right yeah, yeah, it's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. about about that's that that's the suffer yeah <laughs> yes yes right and it's the same with a knife exactly. you know a knife is a tool in the hands of a chef you'll get a gourmet meal in the hands of murderer you better be scared for your life so all of these technologies unfortunately we have bad actors so in the past because of the lack of regulations which mm-hmm. is even there now mm-hmm. unfortunately what has happened is you had a lot of bad actors come in try to launch a token tell people we are going to do great things take money from people and yeah. then disappear yeah. so now centralized exchanges when they look at listings they do an in-depth analysis right so when kaiman was talking about looking at the white paper looking at the website looking at the team a lot of these analysis is done because a you don't want people to not progress So what about just individuals who have the right intentions at heart but they might not be a big industry a big company right like if google comes and says that we want to launch a token <laughs> everyone will do that for them right exactly, yeah. but if it is an individual founder like uh, like me right and you know i come to people and say hi i want to launch a token then we don't want to create a barrier of entry for them but at the same time how do you evaluate that this person has genuine interests in mind so crypto exchanges when they evaluate projects that's one of the things that they do yes yes exactly so the uh, first step is yep. going to be that valuation right? yes yeah, so first thing is going to be the uh say you know uh, due diligence on you know the project itself the project team and also uh, based on their legal opinion and you know vice versa various documentations we do uh do a full analysis into that we have you know a research team um focus on this every day and second is you know the security the technical security because uh previously we do hear a lot of you know mainnets or say you know uh, uh decentralized applications gets hacked by hackers and causing some loss so that is always the second step that we dive into their smart contract code which is their decentralized application code to make sure their audit their secured audit their pen- penetration test are fully performed before they are open to our user because we don't want to you know our user encounter any some sort of uh, uh I mean we are trying our best to uh like avoid the risk to our users so we are very carefully uh take the technical security as the second um screening so folks recently uh, there was a rug pull 
that happened. It was for a point called Poly, yeah. where they had a smart contract deployed, and that smart contract had a function in it, which yeah. allowed anyone who had put in money in that pool or anyone interacting with that contract to send the money that was sent to that contract from any address to any address, and in a matter of a few hours, two point two million dollars were just rugged from the smart contract right yep. and it was just sent out to malicious parties or whatnot and i don't know if the founders did that intentionally or not because it's really hard to talk about these things but at the very least the one thing that they did not do right was just copying a contract and deploying it without necessarily performing that kind of a security audit that we're talking about right these days you have companies that provide a lot of um, like you have sotic and you know you have autic you have companies right providing in-depth analysis um, exactly. of your of your smart contracts but remember smart contracts once they are deployed they are generally immutable we also have the concept of upgradable smart contracts where some things can be upgraded but in general they are immutable so if you f up this one right there is no coming back and you also end up losing trust within the community yes. if people know who you are and you rug them of millions of dollars they are not going to look at you favorably right so the first step is obviously evaluating the project team, making sure you know, they have all their ducks lined in a row. The second thing is the technical audit. Mm -hmm. What's the third step? The third step is that we will dive into the community, uh, which you know usually goes uh, say either Twitter, Discord, Telegram, and vice versa, several different social medias, because we want to make sure um, this project has uh, you know reached already you know uh, gathered enough audiences that uh, are willing to engage, become one of the community, so that after they successfully launching on BitMart, uh, we will do more promotions regarding you know, this you know, token launching, so that their community and our community will mutually join you know, such you know, a promotion, so that you know, to create more say, you know, buzzwords, or even create more uh, say, liquidity Regarding, and it's also yeah. a marketing thing, right? You know, people, more people thing, yeah. get to know about it. The more people will participate in it. Yes. The more traction the coin, the token gets. Yeah. So you see, like the, the, the difference, you know, between a Web2 community and a Web3 community is centralized, decentralized, right? So say, for example, like Google, Facebook, their user are centralized inside the, uh, the platform. And which you know there is their community or inside you know platform, but that not intentionally to leave or to you know go to other you know platform, um you know you know in a quick you know quick quick manner in a very you know quick manner, but in the Web three, it's more about you know it's all decentralized community that everybody can have in you know, a multiple different identities, which is something we call decentralized ID, DID into different all different you know, um, decentralized communities. That are able to you know express their you know interest and express themselves. So basically, I would say this Web three market brings more freedom to the people who have, which you know could have more choice on what they you know want to believe in. The Web three also allows you to take control of your own identity, your mm -hmm. own data, and if you move from one platform to another yep. in a true decentralized fashion, if the platforms are fully decentralized, yes. you are able to take your identity, your your data from one platform to another. Yep. It really belongs to you. It 
unlike Twitter or YouTube, <laughs> where once you create the content, put it up there, unless you have a backup. If they pull down your account, the data is lost. Yeah, they use uh, they use you know uh, the personal data for you know machine learning for you know uh, data modeling training. And you don't get paid for it. No, you are not. Yeah, they get paid. You know, we 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 are not. For sure. Yeah, and uh, you know basically these you know data modeling are used for uh, advertisement um, uh, auction and also recommendation engine that you know keeps pushing your favorite to you that basically creates a small circle put you inside you know the small bubble or they put put you into you know the comfort zone forever the kind of practice but uh, in the web3 um, you know it's all the data protected or also encrypted by yourself or, or no by the system itself and you have your own choice you know which channel you'll be you would love to you know join so now we looked at uh, the four steps, I think, right? The first mm -hmm. thing was, uh, or three steps, I guess, you know, the first thing yeah. you spoke about was essentially evaluating the project team. The second step was looking, performing a security audit mm -hmm. on their smart contract. The third step was diving deeper into their community to see if there is a good community that exists. What's the next step? Oh, the next step is uh, basically our operation team were coming out and uh, very detailed to do the uh, promotion planning uh, with the project team to make their you know, best effort. So this so, is where you partner with them. Now you know, yeah. I mean, by step three, you know that you want to work with the project. So step mm -hmm. four really is forging that partnership and helping yes. working hand in hand. Yes, because I always you know, tell the project team that, you know, listing means nothing. Listing is basically, you know, a first step. The what, you know, really important is post listing. Right. Uh, the reason why we you know do partnership with you know the project is we believe in the value of the project brings to the uh, Web three industry also bring to you know community is positive. So we want to continuously grow that positive synergy and grow that positive momentum, so that we keep you know onboarding better and better more legit as assets available on Bitmark, so that I have you know everybody or say you know uh, no matter Web two or Web three. Um, users are able to own their digital assets because um, back in the web 2 or you know back in you know, a couple of years ago we talk about you know problems to help the unbanked banked right and crypto exchange or say crypto wallet is that I would say a very good alternative way to help people to help the unbanked people get banked that's right. Yeah. So there are the more than 1.8 billion people on earth that yeah. are unbanked today because a lot of the banks don't think of them as uh, good customers. This mm -hmm. could be because they are low income or they could be in countries where banking itself has not yet developed. Mm -hmm. For a lot of our listeners, this might be something hard to imagine that there are still yeah. countries across the globe where banking <laughs> systems are not developed because India is actually the leader in digital transactions around yes. the globe today yes. right and i when i came to us in fact from india and this was in 2012 i felt like the us systems were actually much backward than the indian <laughs> systems right they still have to catch up yeah. like fed now has recently been rolled out so now you can have 24 by 7 payments mm -hmm. but 24 by 7 payments in india like even neft which was still work during work hour settlements but all of those payment systems in india and then we had imps that came in and now with UPI, mm -hmm. 24 by 7 payments in India has been around for such a long time, or even clearing a check. Even yeah. today, it takes like a whole week for checks to be really cleared. Right, right. You could get access to the money earlier. However, the check could bounce and, you know, the bank will then <laughs> deduct it. And it could take like even 
a week or two weeks for that to occur. And in India, back in 2006, seven, all of this was still happening in real time. Within yeah. two hours, your checks would be cleared. But folks who are from India, it might be a little hard for uh, even them because, you know, between India and being here now in the United States, we are exposed to pretty good banking systems. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of countries like even in Africa, for example, or I would like to take an example of Ukraine recently. Yep. Now, Ukraine had had very good banking systems. However, because of the war, yeah. all of the banks were shut down and people had to leave their houses with their bare minimum. And the the funniest thing is that, uh, I mean, there's no, not, no fun in war at all, right? But no. the thing is that a lot of these people who had their money with the banks, because the banks shut down, ridiculous, they don't have access to it. However, yeah. those who had their money in crypto, yeah. when they moved to other countries, they were able to exchange those crypto assets mm -hmm. for real, for uh, fiat currencies and able to restart in a new country. Exactly. I mean, that is like such a huge example of really understanding exactly. what exactly. does it mean to truly own your own currency right truly own your own money mm -hmm. and uh, in ukraine we have really seen that play out now there are besides now ukraine in africa you have a lot of countries where people are just so poor that you don't have banking systems really supporting them mm -hmm. because they don't even have that volume of transaction that you're looking at now anytime a person is not banked they lose access to a lot of opportunities because nobody wants to hire someone they cannot pay and if they want yes. to pay them they don't want to deal with cash they don't want to deal with uh, a separate accounting you know they just mm -hmm. want the systems to be automated and unless a person is banked this doesn't happen to them and it is a vicious cycle because they cannot earn more they are stuck doing smaller jobs menial jobs that pay menial wages and they are very it's very hard to break that cycle so mm -hmm. um so then what happens like you know the first step as we said is the actual listing so you do a partnership and then when it comes to listing what is the process there like, yeah so when it comes to listing then you know uh, we basically uh we'll need to ensure all you know the order order books and all the you know uh, system configurations are fully you know configured um, before the you know trading opening. Of course, you know the function of you know deposit withdrawal and function of trading, and also a function of you know like earn kind of staking program. Everything ought to be settled. Then we having make sure you know their market maker, uh, also you know any you know other market maker are able to provide liquidity um, to ensure you know the matching rate, right? To 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 make sure it's you know seamless matching. Uh, through the matching engine, then you know if everything goes well, then we set a date and time. We let the trading opening, and we will do a lots of you know uh, announcements, uh, marketing promotion, and even AMA uh, like we're doing right now with the project team um, to make sure that voice reaches out to both communities. Got it. And a post listing, right? What is some of the feedback advice you would give to uh, founders who? launch their new tokens because as you said listing is the first part but that is really the start of the journey yes yes so post listing we'll do a series of you know events all together for example like um with several there, there are several projects we have been working with they continuously building their projects and we continuously post their project update to both community to keep people you know uh, 
up to date on the you know um, the progress of the uh, of the pro of the project uh, product roadmap, project roadmap. And that is important. Like you know, your community understands that the project is constantly working. There, what are they working on? What is their vision? Mm -hmm. Because if people don't understand that, then they have another few thousand options to yeah. go and look at. And that is where you know there could be a dump. People might want to just leave, get out of your token, collect back their investment, and that will lead to a reduction in the token pricing. So this was a great conversation, Kaiman. Unfortunately, we are at the top of the hour. We could have kept, I felt yeah. like, you know, we could have yeah, kept going for another <laughs> hour. I would love to have you back maybe, you know, in another couple of months so we can so continue cool. this conversation. And also, uh, we might see things change. A lot changes in a quarter in crypto, right? So, you know, we could talk about the more current marketing scenarios there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up the show, is there a message you want to uh, part our users, our listeners on the Silicon Dreams with? Yeah, uh, I would say uh, we are very open to collaborate with all the you know Web three builders. We love to work with them. We all even have our you know demo day and incubation program. That so that you know if you have a great idea or have you if you're working on some Web three or even AI project, we can definitely uh, discuss. You can easily find me on either LinkedIn or on the uh, Bimar official uh, or, or official website. So guys, you can look for Kaiman Hu on uh, LinkedIn or the Bitmart official website. If you search for the chief business officer, Kaiman's profile will show up, right? That is Kaiman. And he also has a board ape. For those who don't know what a board ape is, it, it, it's a monkey picture that you will actually <laughs> see as is PFP. So that, so don't worry if you see that, you know, it's just part of the Web3 fun culture that yeah. people yeah. have it right it's their yeah. alter egos their alternate identities people recognize each other with that it's just a it's it's the fun part of web3 that helps people come together and connect in a fun relaxed way but uh, that is a real person right and Kaiman is sitting right in front of me here and you can watch the stream on YouTube and Facebook as well later on so you know what he looks like but <laughs> if you see a monkey picture don't worry you're at the right account that is Kaiman's account yeah, still a real person still a real person <laughs> Person, yes. And with that, guys, you know, I would love to uh, bid adieu to all of our listeners here. This is Sonia signing off on another episode of the Silicon Dreams and Radio Zindagi 1550 AM. Keep listening to Radio Zindagi, guys, and have a great day.